Sin is why Jesus had to come. Sin is why Jesus had to die on the cross. The singular reason that he is nailed to the cross, shedding his own blood, is sin. Sin causes heartache, causes trouble, it causes chaos. Sin ruins marriages, ruins homes, ruins friendships, ruins lives. Lives are literally ripped apart and ruined because of sin. Sin robs us of our dignity, robs us of our worth. Sin robs us of our futures. Sin hurts women, hurts kids, hurts men, hurts babies. Sin results in hatred, division, and violence. Racism is the result of sin. Racism is a sin. Sin traps us, ensnares us. It always enslaves us. In sin, we are guilty before God. In sin, we are separated from God. The Bible actually says, in sin, we are enemies of God. Sin results in decay, destruction, and always death. Death is caused by sin. And so here is the question. So why do we flirt with sin? Why, why do we get so comfortable with sin? Why do we laugh at sin? Why do we wink at sin? Why do we make excuses for sin? The question is, why do we not hate sin, our sin and everyone else's? Why are we not repulsed by sin? Friends, listen very carefully this morning. Satan has a plan, and his plan is to make us comfortable with sin. His plan is to make us accepting of sin. His goal is that we would have no problem with sin, and the reason why, it is because then we do not value a Savior for sin. Do you see that? That's what it's all about. It's then that we will not seek a Savior for sin. Now, here's the thing this morning. We have to be aware of that. We have to be sure of that. We have to, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to stand against that. Today, our message is entitled, The High Cost of Sin and a Happy Day. Now, that's a weird title, but if you wrote 51 sermons in a row, you might have a weird title too. Actually, it's going to make perfect sense. The high cost of sin and a happy day. Today, we're in John chapter 11, verses 28 through 44. John chapter 11, verses 28 through 44. The high cost of sin and a happy day. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. John chapter 11, beginning in verse 28, God's word says this. When she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were there with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. 
Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, when she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of a blind man have kept this man also from dying? So Jesus, again being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was lying against him. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there'll be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come today, we're thankful for you, we're thankful for your goodness, we're thankful for your kindness shown to us, we're thankful for your word, we're thankful for 50 days, 51 days that you have blessed us, showing us our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray it again that the impact will be tremendous, but most of all, I pray that you are known, that you are glorified. Lord, I pray for for this service today. I pray that you are at the center of it. I know you are. I pray, Lord, that in this this message that you would speak, and I, I pray that it would truly be a marvelous event, a supernatural event, and how could it not be when we hear the voice of our Savior? So, Lord, I ask that you would speak. I ask, Lord, that you would show us you, that we would see you, that we would marvel in your glory. Lord, I pray if there are some and maybe many that do not know you. I pray, Lord, on this day, on this Lord's day, this very day, that they would turn to you and they would trust you and they would be saved. Lord, we come and again, we know you're faithful. We know you're trustworthy. We lay this at your feet. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So far in John chapter 11, Lazarus, the dear friend of Jesus, has become ill and has, in fact, died. Lazarus, sisters, Mary and Martha, also very dear, beloved friends of Jesus, they have sent word to Jesus, who was a day's travel away. At this point, Jesus has made the trip. When he gets there, he finds that Lazarus has been dead and has, in fact, been in the tomb in the grave for four days. Mary and Martha and a good number of Jews, the Bible says, many Jews are mourning his death. When Jesus gets near, Martha leaves the house and she meets him on the way, to which at that point she makes this great statement. Let me read what Jesus says uh, in response to her in verses 25 and 26. 
And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Again, we find in those verses that it's fixed on belief, that the the key is belief. And he asked Martha, do you believe? And she responds in verse 27. She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. And then that brings us to our verses today. Let's begin in verse 28. When she had said this, she went away and called Mary her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. Now remember, Mary is at the house. Uh, In the Jewish tradition, she is sitting down in the house. That was the tradition. And the other mourners would come by. Now, they would come and they would go and they would take shifts and they would come by and they would sit and they would mourn with the family. This lasted about seven days. Well, she is at the house. She stayed at the house and she is sitting there. Martha has slipped off and she's met with Jesus. Well, now the Bible says that Martha slips back in and she discreetly tells Mary, the teacher is calling for you. Now, we need to remember here, they are only two miles from the city whose leaders want to kill Jesus. And if the word gets back, if the word gets out, it would not be very long before they would come for Jesus. And so, so Martha comes back in and she discreetly, quietly tells Mary, the teacher wants to see you. I think it is true when you are hurting, when you are in trouble, when you are in great pain, there are some people that you have to see. You ever notice that? When you're in great pain, when you're hurting, there are some people that you're glad to see. That's okay. But there are some people that you have to see. Well, Mary is hurting, and Jesus sins for her. Verse 29 And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Verse 30. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. Now Jesus doesn't come to the house. Uh, Jesus doesn't move into the village, into the crowd. He stays out in the place where he had met with Martha. Verse 31. Then the Jews who were with her in the house And consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. The guests in the house see Mary get up. They see her swiftly leave, and they believe she must be going to the grave. Now, they can't imagine any other place that she would be going. They can't figure out any other place that she might venture to. And so they begin to follow her. You ever notice when someone dies, we really don't know what to do? You ever notice that? Somebody dies and we really don't know what to do. We really don't know what to say. Usually we want to do something. We want to say something, but usually it's pretty awkward. You stand around. You look around. It's silent. You want to do something. You're not sure what to do. In our culture, we cook. We cook. 
we got to do something. We can't figure out what to do. We start cooking. And we go over to somebody's house. Somebody's been dead eight hours, six hours, four hours. We knock on the door and we say, I'm so sorry. You're going to need to heat this up at 350. Somebody dies and we open up a, a golden crown buffet. It gets set up. That's what we do. Well, they, they stayed with the person that was grieving. They, they sat with them and they listened to them. And then when she got up, they didn't know what to do. And so they just follow along behind her. Now, evidently, these are good people. And evidently, they're good friends. They're endeavoring to sit there and to console them and to be with them. But they do not know they're about to be good witnesses to this tremendous event that's about to occur. Verse 32. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 32, Mary is distraught. She shows it more than Martha. The hopelessness of death has now overtaken her. The finality of death overwhelms her. It's past the fourth day. The regret of death now consumes her and she falls on the ground at Jesus' feet. She says what Martha earlier said, if you'd have been here, he would be alive. She's not condemning Jesus. She's not scolding him, but she's regretting that he wasn't there. The message didn't get there in time. If, if only you'd have been here, he'd been alive. She's filled with regret. Verse 33. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. The word for weeping in both cases, for Mary, the word that's used for weeping, and, and for the crowd, the word that's used for weeping, it is the Greek word meaning wailing, meaning crying out. It, it, it includes moaning. Now, there is inconsolable grief, and it has now come to surface, and they are, they are not whimpering. They are wailing. They are moaning out. It is the pouring out of grief. Her, her brother is gone. Her, her brother that she loved is gone, and his place will forever be empty. His voice is not going to be heard, and her heart is broken, and there's nothing she can do. That's the reality. There's nothing that she can do, and so she wails out in grief, and the crowd is watching this, and they wail out as well. You ever witness such a scene, such sadness that grief pours out and they can't contain it. It pours out. I want to break off right here for just a second. Be sure this morning, this is why our good news is so good. Don't you miss that this morning. Don't overlook that this morning. This is why our good news is is so good. This is why the astounding blessing of a God that so loves is so awesome. Because it is a God that so loves that sends his only begotten son as the remedy for sin so that he can forever defeat the penalty of sin, death. 
Friends, I want you to understand this morning, because we have a Savior God that so loves, our hope doesn't end in a casket. Our joy doesn't die in a cemetery. Our futures do not stall out with a headstone. And listen, death may be a lot of things, but for believers, it is not the end. That's because we have a God that so loves. That is why our good news is so great. Paul says, therefore, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. Yes, we grieve, but we have hope in Jesus. What a blessing to have a Savior God that so loves. All right, back to the sermon. The rest of the verse is very interesting. It says that Jesus, that he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. Listen to this. The best translation of this phrase, deeply moved in the spirit and was troubled, it does not mean saddened. That's what we think. That's what I've always thought. Well, he he saw all this and he grieved. He He was saddened deeply in his spirit That's not what that means. Listen to this. The best translation means he became angered. It it literally translates he was stirred to anger. And so Jesus watching all of this, Jesus standing here hearing all of this, the Bible says he began to be stirred to anger. Now stay with me, verse 34. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Two words, Jesus wept. The word wept is not the word for weeping, the weeping of Mary. And it's not the same Greek word for the weeping of the crowd, both in verse 33. This is a different Greek word. That was loud wailing, an outburst of Greek. Of grief. The Greek word here is silent tears that ran down his face and dropped off. And that's the word there. It's interesting, it's a different word, but he doesn't wail out. He's not crying out loud. But as he stands there, tears are running down his face and falling off. Get this this morning. Jesus seeing the high cost of sin. Death, death was not his plan. Separation, separation was not his plan. Broken hearts, he never intended for anybody to have a broken heart. Wailing, God didn't build people to wail. He built them to sing. This wasn't his plan. Sadness, God built people to be filled with joy, not with sadness. Sisters weren't supposed to say goodbye to their brothers. Friends weren't supposed to bury their friends. And seeing the high cost of sin, surveying the damage of Satan, watching the effect of embracing the lie and rejecting the truth, Jesus began to be stirred in anger. He began to be filled with anger, not at these people, but at Satan, at the enemy, at the cost of sin. He hated sin. He always had. And now he hears their wails from the suffering of it. He sees the destruction 
and the despair that it brings his creation. This wasn't his plan. He hated it. Every piece of it, he hates it. And he stands in the middle of the sin, broken creation, and tears fall off of his face. Don't you know Jesus hates sin? More than anybody he has to, he he hates sin. Verse 36. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. He did love him. They mistake why he's got tears falling off his face. Verse 37. But some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? Verse 37, ugh. Do you know there are always rotten people? There's always rude people, just foul people in every setting. They're at a a funeral in every setting. And these, these foul people say, could not this man who healed the blind, couldn't he have done something else? Couldn't he have saved him? And they condemn and they blame him. Rude people. Now don't say any names. Rude people. Rotten, foul people. Verse 38. So Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now, it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. It says again he was stirred to anger. Maybe it was these foul people. But he came to the tomb, and the Bible says it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Does that remind you of something? Two months later, he will again pass by this village. Two months later, he will again stop in this way. Two months later, there will be another cave and a stone likewise will be rolled in front of it. And he knows that. And on this day, he stands surveying the high cost of sin. On that day, he will die himself paying the high cost of all sin. Let me ask us this morning, why do we flirt with sin why do, we, why do we wink at sin? Why do we make entertainment out of sin? Look at the shows we watch. Look at the songs we listen to. Look at the things we do, the places we go. Why aren't we repulsed at sin? I'll tell you why this morning. It's because we haven't looked long enough at the Savior for that sin. It's because we haven't watched him as he goes to the cross to pay for that sin. It's because we shut our eyes to the tears that flow off of his cheeks as he stands in the middle of the drama, the chaos, the hurt of that sin. Be sure of this. Mark it down. Make a bumper sticker if you want to. Don't forget it. Be sure of this this morning. It is impossible to be close to Jesus and stay close to sin. Did you hear that? It is impossible to be close to Jesus and stay close to sin. You can do one or you can do other, but you can't be close to both. And I want to tell you today, if you're okay with sin, if you can laugh at sin, if sin is no big deal to you, friends, you better get closer to Jesus. You won't stay close to Jesus and stay close to sin. 
So this morning we see the high cost of sin. The high cost of sin. Now we turn and we see a happy day. A happy day. Moving on, verse 39. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there'll be a stench, for he has been dead four days. She thinks he wants to see him one last time. He didn't get to make it in time. She thinks she wants to see him, and she says, don't do it, Lord. Don't remove that stone. It's been too many days. Verse 40. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? She misunderstood that. Did I not say to you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? What is the glory of God? Today, it is the Savior who defeats physical death. It is the Savior who defeats spiritual death. It is the Savior that is the resurrection and the life. And Jesus says, if you want to know what kind of Savior you have, if you want to see the glory of your Savior, I have told you, but now watch this, and I'll show you. Verse 41. So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Verse 42. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. Notice this, the goal is always for people to believe. We've said that, we've seen that all the, all the way through these sermons. Jesus doesn't come to crush sinners, he comes to save them. He doesn't come to condemn them, they're condemned already. His goal is always that they would find his grace, that they would hear the truth, and they would believe. That's his goal. Even here, that the disciples, their, their faith would be strengthened, their belief would be strengthened, that Mary and Martha, that they would be confident in their belief for this crowd of Jews, that they would respond and believe. The goal is always that they would believe and in believing be saved. Verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. In the original language, the word yelled out, it actually means yelled out. It means that he shouted out. He wasn't quiet. He wasn't loud. He shouted out. In the original language, it translates, come outside. The most literal translation is come out of there. He backs up and he says, Lazarus, come out of there. Verse 44. And the man who died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Now I want you to see this. Don't move too fast. Picture what has happened here. Now Jesus has said that he is God. He has said that as God, he is the giver of life. He has said that he gives eternal life, himself being eternal. He has said that he is the bread of life, and he who eats of it will be sustained with life. He has said if you believe in him, you will never perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus has recently said he is the resurrection and the life. Now I want you to picture this scene here. Here are these two broken-hearted sisters crushed under the weight of this death, 
crushed into the herd of this death, and they're crying out loud. Here is this crowd of Jews, and they're broken over the loss of their friend, but at the same time, they are bewildered at the claims of this man. Here are these 12 disciples, and they are ready to die. That's what they say, but they're still green. They're still young in their faith. And I want you to picture this. Here is Jesus, a carpenter's son. Here is Jesus on the most wanted list. Here is Jesus recently rejected in Jerusalem, and crazily he shouts out at a stone-cold grave, Lazarus, come out of there. And listen, everybody is looking. Can you imagine All eyes are on the grave. Nobody's moving around. No one is talking. I'm not sure the birds haven't stopped all their singing. And these people are wondering, is that really what he said? Is that really what we heard? And they're wondering, like a lunatic, he has said, Lazarus, come out of there. And still wrapped up like a mummy. Lazarus comes forth. Lazarus comes forth. What? What in the world? What in the world? Picture that scene. What in the world? Can you imagine that? He he walks out of the grave. He comes forth. What did Mary do? What does she do? Does she fall back to the ground? Does she start singing? What does Mary do? What does Martha do? Does she start unwrapping him? She can't sit still. Does she start unwrapping him? What do the Jews do? Do they fall back in praise? Do they be, are they silent in disbelief? What do the disciples do? Do they say, he's the one, he's the one. What do the birds do? Do they start squawking? Do they start singing? Good grief, what does Lazarus do? Can you imagine this? Does he look at himself? Does he dance? Does he jump? Does he run to Jesus? What does Lazarus do? Oh, happy day. Happy day. Listen to me. That also is our Savior. Do you know that's what Jesus did for us? He came to repair what is wrong in sin. He came to restore what is ruined in sin. We've missed it, Lord. We've missed it. He came to restore what is ruined in sin. He came to break the curse of sin, the scourge of death. And I want to tell you, listen, and I'm not joking he might as well have put your name right there. He could have very well put your name there. He could have said, Chris, come forth. Sue, Charles, Larry, come forth. Bill, Jim, Marie, Sarah, Amy. He could have put your name right there. You can put your name right there. Come forth, unbind them and let them go. Oh, happy day. Only Jesus With only Jesus can the high cost of sin, death, be remedied in a happy day. Only in Jesus can the despair of death be replaced with glad reunions. Only in Jesus is the high cost of sin, 
reconciled, repaired, and restored, and ends in a happy day. Only in Jesus. That's still our Savior. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. During Father, we come, and I am blown away. The high cost of my sin was your death. The high cost of my sin was your shame. The high cost of my sin was your agony. The high cost of my sin was your coming as a man and being rejected by men. The high cost of my sin is death. You paid it. Lord, I'm thankful that you did. I didn't earn it, didn't deserve it. No, no way could I merit it. But because you're the Savior God that so loves, you stand in the midst of the destruction of sin and your, your tears fall off of your face. Christ incarnate weeping over the sins of man. Then you go from there. You come again to this city, to this town, and you go to the cross and you pay for it. You settle it, you fix it, you redeem it, and you redeem us in your own blood. Lord, I'm thankful for that. I, I, I praise you for that. Lord, I'm thankful that in the high cost of our sin, there stands a glorious Savior, Jesus. And I'm thankful the fruit of that is that we have, we end with a happy day. Lord, I pray that the good news of this gospel has gone out today. I pray it's been clear enough to understand today. And I pray for those that do not know it, don't, haven't received it, I pray that today they grab it. On this very day, oh, happy day that they would grab it. Lord, I pray for us as believers in this room that we will be agents of that good news, ambassadors of that good news. That we would understand no work on earth is important, no pride, no, no worldly success is important as pointing people to the risen Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray that we've been encouraged in that today. Lord, I pray that in this day, in this message, in this event, that you're known, that you're glorified, and that you're pleased. And I pray, Lord, that those tears that fell that day are replaced with a smile and a happy day for you on this day as people turn to you in faith and trust. Lord, move in this time. Speak in this time. Lead in this time. I trust it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation, a time to respond to the truth of God's word. And I want to tell you the good news of our gospel is this. God so loves you. Well, he doesn't know me. Well, he does. Well, he doesn't know my past. He actually does know your past. God loves you. He loves you so much he sent his only begotten son, his only, one and only son. He goes to the cross of Calvary. He pays for sin there, yours and mine, settles it, finishes it, redeems us in his own blood. He is actually physically dead. They put him in a stone cave. They roll a stone in front of it. Three days later, they roll the, the stone is rolled away. No one has to do it. And he steps out as the risen Savior, the King of glory, the hope of sinners. The Bible says if you'll trust in him, you will be saved. If you'll put your faith in him, not any work you have to do, not, not some lengthy thing you have to check off. If you'll trust Jesus, you will be saved. Listen, turn to him today. Trust him today. He will save you. If you're here and you've put your faith in Christ but never fought in believer's baptism, 
In the New Testament, it's always by immersion, always. It's always after the point that a person is saved, never before. And so if you're here and you say, yes, I've trusted Jesus. Maybe it was recently, maybe it was some time in the past, but I've never followed in believers' baptism. You come as well. And it'll be a great testimony to what we believe of our Savior, Jesus. You come. We'll set a day. It'll be a great day of celebration. If you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here, you come as well. Together we'll serve holding up his word for his glory till he comes again. Maybe on this day you want to come and pray here at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Not sure all the things going on in your life. Maybe you want to come and just, and just trust him to him in humility at this altar here with me. Nothing's too big. Nothing is too small. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that no one would stir about, no one would head for an exit, but you would pray for those who are making decisions. If God has spoken to you, you step out and you come on. As we stand and sing, if God has spoken to you, you come on. I'll meet you here. You come on.